everybody, you got Dan here from Pack Rim Distributors. Uh, we took a long hiatus, and I apologize about that. A lot of it had to do with getting busy, a lot of it had to do with Chinese New Year. Uh, but we're back, and we got some more interesting things to talk about. Um, if you have been following along with, uh, with our, our different shows, we've talked a lot about ingredients. We're going to take a little break from that, um, because I've, uh, over the past month or so, I've, I've been watching uh, uh, some documentaries. and. and I love the history of beer, and I want to talk about the history of beer. And each documentary can be a little bit different, but so uh, I've kind of pulled some pieces that that uh, I really I really love about it. So, uh, I think so uh, I want to rewind about uh, seven thousand years ago. Um, so about seven thousand years ago, this is when people uh, you got to imagine uh, where we are uh, at as a civilization. Um, somewhere in, in Asia, and what happened was, Essentially, um, who made the pyramids? So you can really attribute beer to make the pyramids. 
slaves were paid one gallon of beer a day. And that did a couple things. Number one, it kept them happy. Um, and it kept them nourished as well, because there are a lot of lovely nour nourishment in beer. Um, in fact, beer uh, was made very differently than it was far more uh, nourishment and, and less alcohol. Than it was like, tetracycline in mummy's bones and it's an antibiotic so you can even say that a lot of people are healthy because of it. Uh, now, I am going to uh, switch over and I'm going to start talking about medieval Europe. So let's talk about medieval Europe. Now, you gotta, you gotta think back and, and think about some movies you've seen about medieval Europe. It was a disgusting, gross place to live, okay? People didn't live long. I think the average age was about like 30, 35 years old. And the reason people didn't live long is, is because of bacteria. People didn't know about bacteria. Of course, microscopes weren't invented. Scientists weren't around. So, um, so where did the bacteria come from? Well, this was a disgusting place. People used to crap in buckets and throw it out the window. All waste was essentially just dumped in rivers, and most of those rivers went into other nearby villages. So where were you got your drinking water, where you wash your clothes, where you got your cooking water, all that kind of stuff was filled with disgusting bacteria, mainly uh, from human beings. So think about how you brew beer. What is one of the things you got to do? You have to boil the water. Now, people didn't know it at this time, but when they were making beer and they were boiling water, they were getting rid of that bad bacteria, right? So. When you drank nothing but beer, you didn't get sick. If you drank water, you got sick and you died. So, um, and you gotta think about how much people drank back then. So I think I think right now the average uh, is you're drinking uh, something like uh, 40 to 50 liters a year type of thing. So the average what people used to drink then was 300 liters a year. And that was because that was one of the only things they could drink without getting sick. Now, also let's bring in the church on this as well. You take a, like think about watching uh, uh, Robin Hood or something like this. Who was always the ones brewing the beers? Well, it was the church, right? Um, what's, what's the guy's name uh, uh, in Robin Hood? Who was always brewing the beers? Come on, I'm, I'm looking at Garrett here. Garrett's just Garrett's just watching me. Monks, monks were doing it. Monks were were, were controlling it. So you think about uh, also how the church got crazy rich at this time they controlled pretty much all beer sales at that time so that's a nice little monopoly they were like basically abi maybe abi will become a religion who knows but so i want to way fast forward next okay now i want to bring it to like the 1800s going right up to like 1950 usa usa had a big uh, uh play on what people started drinking and why they started uh, drinking it so Loggers started coming into the scene in, in kind of mid-1800s. Uh, and uh, the loggers started coming in the scene because they were loggers, they were pilsners. Uh, they were coming from Germany. And guess what German uh, people were bringing in? Mr. Miller, Mr. Coors, okay? Um, and these guys are still around. Now, a big thing with loggers is that loggers, funny enough, could only really be brewed in the wintertime. Because when it comes to loggers and, and these, these easy-drinking beers, um, they need cold. Right, and so these these summertime beers, which we think of them now, you could only really drink in the winter because at this point refrigeration wasn't wasn't really made yet. There would be uh, um, uh, huge bricks of ice bringing it in. If anybody did try and bring it in into uh, in the summertime, you would have to cool off the beer and cool off everything by putting it in rooms filled with like dry ice and this type of thing. So. 
what they did is breweries started dumping money. Basically, Mr. Miller, Mr. Coors started dumping money into refrigeration research. Okay. And essentially out of that, refrigeration was born. Now, I'm not saying beer started refrigerators, but they're a big reason why they're here. And all the uh, the massive uh, refrigeration uh, units that were first bought were bought by breweries. And hence, now you start to be able to, to brew these pilsners and lagers uh, in the summertime when people really wanted to, to enjoy them. Now, another thing that happened around this time is uh, factories were starting to be born. Now, a lot of people think that Henry Ford was the guy, he's the birth, birth or the father of, of factories. It's not necessarily true because be before Henry Ford came around, it was companies like Miller and Coors who started making factories, not to make beer, but to make beer bottles. Because that's how people first started to um, uh, really want to enjoy how to, how to drink beer. So it's pretty interesting. So far, we've come up that uh, uh, beer started uh, uh, farming, stopped people from being nomadic, came up with tools like the wheel and the plow. Uh, next, it saved people's lives because it was actually brewed and created a uh, um, uh, anti uh, antibacterial. Uh, then it also uh, kept people around in, in medieval Europe because uh, people were boiling beer. Um, all the way up to here, it's produced refrigeration and factories. So now I want to bring it into U.S. Prohibition. So U.S. Prohibition, uh, 1920 to 1933. Think about it, 13 years without without any alcohol whatsoever. Well, so the government was was trying to say. Everyone knows that this is when uh, uh, you would say the Roaring Twenties were really going right. So, anyways, so the, so the USA decides that we're going to outlaw alcohol in 1920. At that time that it happened, there was uh, I think somewhere around the the, the uh, number of 2,200 different breweries in, in the United States at that time, okay? Uh, most of them being relatively small and kind of service the, the local area. Um, so at during Prohibition, 1,500 breweries went out of business. And you can say, well, how come there was still about 700 or 500 left? Uh, a lot of these uh, tools that used to make beer also make milk. So a lot of them teamed up with farmers and started uh, pasteurizing milk and, and used, used those uh, giant vats for whatever they could essentially brew. You can also brew uh, colas and stuff like that out of it. So some people were able to uh, survive. And certainly the big guys survived. You know, we're talking about Miller and Coors here. Um, so around this time, so 1933, uh, okay, Prohibition is over, everything's wonderful. Well, World War II kicked in in 1939. So World War II comes in, 1939, 39 to, to 45, and, and that war, World War II, really changed the way that people drank their beers. And the main reason is, is that the government went to the big guys, Miller, who was something like this, and they said, listen, we, we want beer for the boys, but we don't get them, want, want to get them absolutely shit-based. So you need a lower uh, uh, alcohol content and so they were essentially brewing light beer without before light beer was even kind of coined as a, as a thing and that beer was kind of anyway it was normally around like two and a half to three and a half percent alcohol but now you got all these boys coming home after you know seven eight years or, or six years of the u.s uh, coming back from war and then they now have a taste for light beer and that's what they want so from that time of about 45 to 1950 to uh, about up to 1970 really the only beer that you got you was it was out there was light beer not even really called light beer at that time uh, or just loggers and pilsers there wasn't much else out there and that's just what people wanted to drink and that's at the time where you know you see all these commercials about uh, 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 you know the, the woman's in, in, in inside uh, cooking in the kitchen and the guys uh, out mowing the lawn in suburbia and you, you, you want a 
nice, cold, refreshing Miller at the end of it. And, and that was that was really the heyday for, for big corporate beer. So, 1970, let's fast forward up to there. 1970 in the States and in Canada at that, um, you started to see a lot of imports starting to creep in. At this time, people, the, the world was getting a little, little more glo- globalized, global village, uh, uh, term was kind of starting to get coined and uh, people were starting to look elsewhere and so you saw big companies uh, from Europe starting to creep in mainly the UK starting to creep into um, the US and Canada wanting to sell their beers mainly we're looking at like Guinness and Bass were two of of the biggest ones Um, and what people did is they go to the bar and I'll try Guinness I'll try Bass and holy crap that is a different beer what else you got out there and that's what started getting people into beer Um, and at that point they started homebrewing and trying to discover new, new, different ways of, of brewing and all this stuff. So, um, once people started home brewing, well, what happens next? You got little small breweries starting to open up again, um, and and so people who really got into it and saw that their friends were enjoying it, their family was enjoying it. So why don't I why don't I try and sell this stuff as well? And that's really where craft beer started to come out. So, 1980 comes around. At that time. Uh, uh, more imports were starting to come in and 1980 rolls around there was only 50 breweries in the US that's down from uh, over 2,000 breweries uh, pre-prohibition um, and now we're only down to 50 breweries so all these guys are juggernauts and home brewing starts to come about and that's when you start to see craft beer starting to come out again you see uh, certainly in Vancouver it was uh, Granville Island um, in, the, in the United States you're seeing like Sierra Nevada like, this type of beer starting to come out and that was kind of the birthplace of where craft beer is today. So you think about it. 1980 in the United States, there was only 50 breweries. I think now there's something in the tone of there must be well over 2,000 uh, breweries in, in the United States. So we are we are in the right in the mix, and that, that number seems, keeps going up, and we keep uh, carving away at, at, at the big guys' beer. But it's certainly exciting to see. So um, that is just kind of a, a quick wrap-up of some very cool kind of um, – pinpoints in 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 the history of beer that i think are really interesting so uh thank you guys for tuning in and uh thank you for listening to me ramble i know i talk fast but i get really excited about this stuff but i just want to say thank you guys very much and we'll uh, talk to you next week